Explore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. Chapter 22, Tales from Turkey, 1st to the 5th of September 1977, Turkey. We had a full and interesting day visiting the Ankara Museums of Ethnography and Archaeology before leaving the city in the late afternoon to drive towards Bala. That night we camped on a burnt stubble field. The red glow of the setting sun enriched the impressive view of wide-open farmland with distant hills. I prepared a scrumptious evening meal, combining the culinary delights we had brought in Ankara's city market. Fried fish, boiled potatoes, runner beans, slices of lemon, green pepper, tomatoes and olives, followed by fresh figs and hot custard, plus Turkish coffee. Well, my attempt at making it anyway. I used our purchase for a pound coffee maker, that being a royal blue enamel mini saucepan with a pouring lip and a long thin handle. I put in plenty of coffee grains and ten spoonfuls of sugar, half filled with water and stirred before boiling for a few minutes on the cooker. The water became a strong black syrup that I poured into two tiny coffee cups, another recent purchase. The aroma matched its full flavour. The following day, we travelled through Bala, going on past vast fields, over the Kopnikoi Bridge and on to Beiramazu. Afterwards, we crossed over the Hiafanli Hydroelectric Dam and went alongside the stunning Blue Lake Tuz with its white salt-encrusted beaches. Boys along the roadside were selling sunflowers, melons and grapes. They indicated they wanted cigarettes by puffing at their first and second fingers, patting their lips. When we didn't oblige because we had none, they threw tomatoes at the Land Rover and one lad threatened to throw a bottle. At Aksare, we asked the police the way to the mosque, which we had heard was worth a visit. We followed the police in their Volkswagen car until they became distracted when they stopped to arrest a man. We never did see the mosque. Taking the road to Nevsehir, we visited the caravansari of Agsikarahan, a 13th century motel for camels and donkeys and their owners. It once provided stables, shops, bedrooms, kitchen, baths and a place of worship. Out of Nevsehir, we took the route towards Avanos, and soon the extraordinary valley of Cappadocia was before us. As it was getting late, we needed to find somewhere to park. Alec drove along a dirt track off the main route and stopped close to a stone block house where a man lived with his two sons. The oldest lad came over to see us. We asked his permission to park there, and he assured us that we were most welcome. Later, he demonstrated this by giving us four huge bunches of black grapes that he carried in a metal bucket. We shared our supper with him. Alec then went to meet his father, who was cutting big blocks from the natural soft rock terrain. 
he stopped his work and invited Alec to look inside their home. We've been so fortunate with the people we have met on our journey, don't you think? I commented as we later sat together on our bench seat inside the Land Rover, enjoying a mug of Horlicks. Yes, for the most part, that's true. It's just the odd shepherd lad along the road who might turn quite nasty when we don't give him any cigarettes. On another subject, tomorrow, we're going to explore Cappadocia. It looks a fascinating place, according to the brochures I picked up yesterday at the Ankara Tourist Office. Oh, really? We read about Cappadocia in the Bible just the other day. Let me see if I can find it, I said as I reached for our precious gift from the Osbournes. It had become a valuable guide to our daily life as we followed the study notes that Nigel and Helen gave to us, called Search the Scriptures. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, the Holy Spirit came to dwell within us to teach and reveal more of God's truth. It's like we had been blind, but now we could truly see and understand so much more as the misty veil had been removed. Even the world about us, the flowers, the birds, the creatures, the trees and the whole countryside was visually brighter and clearer than before. Oh, oh, here it is. It's at the beginning of Peter. To the Jewish Christians driven out of Jerusalem and scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Alsea and Bithynia. As we fell asleep that night, I wondered what evidence I would see of the historical Christians' presence in the location we planned to explore the following day. As the sun drew back the curtains on a new day, we got up and were ready to leave by 7.30. Having said goodbye to the stonemason and his sons, we drove to the town of Avenos. There we parked and enjoyed a walk around the cobbled back streets. We came across a big market where the usual fruit and vegetables were for sale. In addition, we saw dried chilies, sunflowers, clay pots, fabrics and even old plastic shoes which were sold by weight. At Gorem, we visited the rock churches created within caves. At that time, the area hadn't developed its full tourist potential and the places of interest mentioned in the brochures had little supervision or maintenance. Sadly, some of the wall paintings had been spoilt by graffiti. We were amazed as we surveyed the valley of Cappadocia with its toadstool formations of soft rock in shades of pale yellow and pink. It looked just like a landscape in a children's fantasy book where whimsical creatures dwelt. At Kaimaklai, we went down into the underground city. It was seven floors deep with four ventilation shafts open at the surface. Centuries ago, persecuted Christians took refuge in the city, hiding for up to a year from their enemies. As we entered the site, the guard at the entrance informed us that the lights would be switched off after 30 minutes, as it was near to closing time. We had to bend double to wander along the steeply inclined narrow tunnels until we reached a spacious room and could stand up. From that room, there were other low tunnels leading on to other rooms. Some had been used as stables, storage areas and family living spaces. I felt claustrophobic, not knowing how far we would wander deep underground before we should return to the exit. Fortunately, we made it before the lights were extinguished. 
My, that was an astonishing feat of architecture. Can you imagine digging it out, let alone living down there? And we only saw a fraction of its vastness. I said to Alec as we walked back to the Land Rover, our eyes squinting in the bright sunlight. Yes, life down there would have required skilled management, coping with the hundreds of people needing food, water and sanitation. And think of dealing with births, sickness and deaths underground too. What did they do for light? I wonder if they would secretly come out to the surface now and then. Totally mind-boggling. They must have had a remarkable faith in Jesus Christ to be willing to suffer so. Our drive out of the valley went along country tracks by golden-grassed hills, where we were uncertain of the right direction to go. Fortunately, we came across a dusty new white track that eventually led us up to the main road. There were bulldozers working on the road, so we asked a driver the way. He pointed to the right, and we drove in that direction through a village and then into a gorge, along the steep winding road that sloped downwards, going between the soft rocks of various shades of brown. Once we were in the depths of the gorge, we followed the trail between the bright green trees and foliage and then crossed a shallow stream. We parked for the night next to a graveyard. Up at six, we enjoyed a bowl of comforting warm porridge with a mug of tea. We were not the only early risers. A group of men, women and children rode by on a troop of donkeys. The fluffy brown baby donkeys ran freely alongside their mothers. The women were dressed in brightly coloured dresses, their heads covered with white scarves. We followed the road along the floor of the gorge, which widened as the route took us through several more villages. There were many abandoned cave homes on the bordering cliffs. At one point, the road climbed high up a hill, providing a magnificent view of the remarkable Cappadocia lunar landscape. Sheep nonchalantly grazed on the scrubby fallow grassland. The road descended on gently down the hill, drawing out into flat terrain. Big herds of small brown cattle and goats munched their morning feed. Ten miles outside of Kesarai, we refueled and topped up our water reserve. A Turk who could speak English came and asked if we would like to go and see his family's carpet business. We declined and he went away. Shortly afterwards, he returned with a bleeding finger, wanting first aid. I obliged and washed and bandaged the wound. Soon we found ourselves following him as he drove his car into Kesarai. Random? I thought we had declined his offer. Well, he certainly had an unusual salesman's trick that caught our attention. Arriving at his little office, we saw he had about 50 carpets in stock of varying sizes. We let him know that we definitely did not want to buy a carpet, but would be willing to see them. Then the show began. First, he displayed the old woven carpets of nomadic designs, 50 to 80 years old and not that expensive. The wool had been dyed with natural colours from vegetables, roses, other flowers grape juice and walnuts. We asked to see the new carpets made by his family and he showed us several exquisite carpets, many using shades of blue and beige. At £130 to £170 each, they were far more than we could afford on our tight travel budget and definitely too large for us to take away. 
But one small carpet took our fancy, in soft shades of green and orange wool, with a nomadic murka and Kazakh design. Despite the fact that we still didn't want to buy and transport it to India and back, when the price dropped, he won us over. He dropped from 1,700 lira to 1,000 lira, or in other words, from £56 to £33. The deal was done. We had become the proud owners of a gorgeous handmade Turkish carpet from the astute salesman. We left his office come shop and took a walk in and around the castle in the town, a dramatic backdrop to an excellent bazaar set within the castle grounds. Lots of appetising fruit and vegetables were on sale. After lunch, we drove 30 miles west of Sivas, passed by a few villages, and enjoyed seeing the autumnal terrain with ploughed fields of dark brown earth, bordered by golden grass and rolling hills in the distance. We found ourselves a splendid elevated parking spot with a panoramic view of delightful scenery to enjoy for the remainder of the afternoon. Once again we became a fascinating curiosity. On this occasion three young lads walked by, stopped and observed us for half an hour as we set about our usual evening routine. We travelled on a further 500 miles east over the following two days before entering the Persian Kingdom of Iran. Total distance driven, 23,204 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by Explore More. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.